Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Joshua Unix, and today, we got a lot to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the day after Super Bowl. If y'all keep up with football just like me, Super Bowl's over. Chiefs beat the 49ers. My heart got ripped out again. I am a 49ers fan, not 0-2 in the biggest game of the year against Patrick Holmes, Andy Reid. Um, I am, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I absolutely do, but I had to watch that, and it came down, like, it came down to the wire, I was, I started watching pregame about one o'clock, I love football, my two main sports are basketball and football, I like basketball more, but football I enjoy, favorite team would be Cardinals, Steelers, okay. But then something about the 49ers I really do like. I thought this was our time. Like, I truly like the 49ers. I like Shanahan. I like Purdy. I like all of these guys. CMC. I really thought this was our time. Then I forgot, oh. You give Patrick Holmes two minutes. He doesn't even need that. He really just needs 13 seconds. Sorry, Buffalo fans. No, it's actually a really fun Super Bowl. I really had no complaints. Like, it was super fun. Was able to hang out with family. Had a lot of food. Like, a lot of food. But I'm in my bulking era, so it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. But no, the Super Bowl was really fun. And now I'm just recording the podcast for y'all. So when it comes down at 8 a.m. Monday morning... Y'all have it. See, it's like a win-win. And the NBA can't compete with the NFL at all, even if it was just like some lowly NFL regular season game or even preseason game. That's just a fact. So of all that in mind, there were only two NBA games on Sunday. I know one was Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. I'm trying to remember the other game. Then the other game was the Thunder versus Kings. Kings versus Thunder, I mean. Was there anything else? No. That was all. Jimmy Butler did not play in that game uh, due to personal reasons. If I read correctly, one of his family members passed away or someone he knew passed away. If I remember seeing that correctly. But uh, Tyre Hero almost led the charge to defeating JTJB and Porzingis. I don't know who Porzingis' nickname is. Does it, does, I don't know. I don't know what his dad, I don't even know what his nickname is. Yeah, I would love to know. But no, Tyre Hero and Bam Bow kept it close. There was some controversy. Uh, I believe it was Jalen Brown that was talking out about Duncan Robinson having a quote-unquote dirt, uh, dirty play, all that stuff. But no, the Celtics won that. Not easy, but they won it 110 to 106. They're now 41 and 12 on this season. I'm just bringing that up just to say, well, a there's a little bit of a recap. But once we get past all the exciting breaking news around the league, and we talk about, we go back to our traditional format of topic of the day. I want to go through each conference's most scariest teams. I mean, if we're looking at the East, who is the East number one team that you 
simply can't get past. And then the same going for the West. Because believe it or not, there are teams in both conferences who are just too deadly, too OP to try to stop. And it's it's not going to be who you expect in any conference. I'm going to get to that very, very soon. That's going to be our topic today, but we got a lot we got to talk about. But first, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the universe, great people of this world, you know where to find me. You know where to find me on X. You know where to find me on Instagram. You know where to find me on Facebook. Look, we're everywhere. We just are. Quartz Heat is everywhere. I am everywhere. Quartz Heat, except for Instagram. Instagram is funky. It's going to be Courtside Heat NBA. Don't forget about it, but we post the most. I post the most on on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Twitter X? I, I don't know what you want to call it. X Twitter? I don't know. But we're there. We post on there. But also for the podcast, we're all there on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Her Radio, Amazon Music, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts from, I am there, religiously. So join me. Just do it. It's great. We'll have some great fun. I'm just some dude that talks hoops. That's, that's pretty much my qualifications. It works for... Uh, rejects, especially in the sports world. So why can't it work for me? That's where you can find me on social media. Of course, you got courtsofheat.com. Do not forget that. Do not forget that at all. I don't know why you guys would. That that's like the whole purpose of Courts of Heat. Now I'm saying I don't even know if I have to say, oh, go to courtsofheat.com. Well, of course, you guys know we have a website. Anyways. You know how I brought up, like, the Chiefs and Heat? Or not really Chiefs. Well, I did bring up the Heat. I guess we'll just get into the podcast anyway. I got really no more announcements. Still trying to figure out how to segue. So, as awkward and how interesting that was, let's just get into it. I hate the Chiefs. But I love the Miami Heat. I love the Heat. So, I didn't realize this until Tim Reynolds, at by Tim Reynolds on X, said this. 2020, Chiefs win Super Bowl. Heat make NBA Finals. 2023, Chiefs win Super Bowl. Heat make NBA Finals. 2024, Chiefs win Super Bowl. Dot, dot, dot. Are the Heat now Finals bound? And you could be like, they could be a really crappy eight like a really, really bad um, 8C team, like they were last year. People were kind of among us, Milwaukee Bucks, and Giannis Antetokounmpo and all of those great faces. They've made it to the finals. They ran through the Heat Celtics. They just couldn't do it against the Nuggets. And who was going to stop the Denver Nuggets? They weren't going to stop Nikolai Jokic. They weren't going to stop Jamal Murray. They weren't going to stop Aaron Gordon. They weren't going to stop really anyone. But I just find that fascinating. So will the Miami Heat actually be playing in the finals again? Not winning, but if they just make it. I would actually find that really funny. Because what are the odds? 
They're currently eighth in the East. They're twenty-eight, twenty-five. I legit could see a world where they're easily sneaking into sixth. If, like, for some reason, the Pacers and Magic just start to fall off. Now, just when we get to talk about the scariest teams, we're going to the topic of the day. We're, I'm not talking about them. I mean, that, that's not who I'm talking about. That's not who I'm referring to. In the NBA in general, in, or in either conference, if we just had a merger, which would pretty much be the overall league. But no. I just found it really interesting. Like, what are the odds? Like, like what type of what well, what type of coincidence is that? So if I'm every Miami fan right now, if I'm in Miami, Florida right now, I would want Kansas City to do so well because you're like, wait a minute, if they make it, if they win the Super Bowl, we make the NBA Finals. I'm telling you, I don't know how that works in this universe. I don't know. All I know is that you want this to happen almost every year. And I would laugh so hard if, like, the top seven teams in the East fell to the eighth-seeded Heat. Could you imagine that? I'm just saying. We would actually be repeating last year. I thought that was pretty crazy. I, I, I did not understand that one fully. Just because of everything's happened. And both teams are making changes to the rosters as well. That's actually incredible. And it's only when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. When they just make the Super Bowl or lose in the, when they lose the Super Bowl. The Heat are irrelevant. Now talk about that crazy coincidence. I've still I've still gone to my podcast real quick. I know I merged the NFL and NBA together once because I know wasn't I talking about like the Arizona Cardinals and the Phoenix Suns at one point? Hold on, hold on. I have to I have to find that because I think I did. I think I did make. Did I did I make a comparison? I know the Cardinals were involved. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Like I'm just scrolling through this. Okay, you know what? Okay, I have I have a feeling that there is like no chance in this universe that. Hmm. Maybe I can't find it. Um, I'm still trying to find it because I had some before. Like I've merged the NBA and NFL before. Man, um, that's actually really funny. I have no idea. I could have sworn I made a podcast episode about that. Maybe, maybe I didn't. Or maybe it's just so old. I have a feeling just because it's so old 
Yeah, it's funny. I, I can't find it. I can't find it. You know, that's why it's not like I can even search for it. I don't even know how interested you guys are in that. But anyways, I was just talking about the Heat and Chiefs being related in some ways. Or really how the Chiefs won a Super Bowl and now the Heat are just going to a championship. Or make it a, a finals appearance. Like, you know how crazy that actually is? I can't get over that. I actually can't get over that. Oh, yo, hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Two local teams having crazy coincidental paths. And, oh, yeah. I was talking about the Phoenix Suns and Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Find this track. Did I, did I say more? I really don't want to have to listen to the podcast. I, I just want to know. I don't know. Via the way, yeah, I, I made an episode about that, so I thought that was pretty cool. I, I don't know if anyone else cares, but I do. Anyways, I thought that was cool. We're past the Super Bowl now. I've wasted a lot of time talking about this. Than, well, I probably should have, but I thought it was pretty interesting. A lot of dead silence. A lot of dead silence while I was trying to find that photo. But that is fine. You know, sometimes, just like the Super Bowl, you need to have those feel-good moments. You need to have those feel-good stories. For Kyle Lowry, he's getting that feel-good story. Because after reaching the bio-agreement with the Hornets, Kyle Riley is expected to sign with the 76ers. Now you're like, well, why is that a feel-good story? It's because the aging player, who I believe is now like 37, has wanted to play for Philly for so long due to growing up in Philly and playing for Villanueva in college. So his entire basketball career, at least in college, I'm assuming in high school as well as high school college, has been in Pennsylvania, has been in Philadelphia. And then, of course, this is like his first time playing for the 76ers. And he's really been wanting to do He really wanted to go back home, back to his home roots. And look, he's getting it. He's signing an agreement with the 76ers very soon from the bio market. And for me, that's pretty cool. Because they have a backstory like that. Can you really hate a guy like that? No. Like, forget everything else. I know he's 37. I know he doesn't provide much value anymore. Especially how he's just dropped off. But in his Toronto years, he was special. I I know he has decreased. From his first season in Miami or his last season in Toronto. But still, to have him come in, be a backup point guard for Philly. That's going to be cool. That's going to be cool. He's played for teams like the Grizzlies, Rockets, Raptors, the Heat, and now the 76ers. So I don't know how long he's going to be staying in the NBA anymore, but it'll be pretty cool to see him going to the 76ers. Plus, he's reuniting with Nick Nurse, the former head coach of the Toronto Raptors. 
I thought that was pretty cool. So you have more connections. I I like those types of stories. I do. Now another feel good story that I really do want to have happen, that I do want to see come true, is Danny Green and Rudy Gay and Rudy Gay. About to say Rudy Gobert. No, I mean Rudy Gay. Both players are ready to make a comeback to the NBA. They well, so their comeback is based off of a playoff appearance. So so the report says that they both want to come back and want to be signed to a playoff team before the season ends. Uh, we all know of Gay that he was with the Golden State Warriors. He went through training camp, but he was just waived short afterwards. And Rudy Gay, he's 37, but still, he's a very good... To me, he's a really good forward. He's a good backup forward, right? He's not who he was, like, in the years that he spent with the Grizzlies, Raptors, those two stints in different years, Kings, those two stints, Spurs, right? So, I know he's played for some teams, but back in his prime, he was averaging 15-5-2-1 per game. That's very solid. So, knowing who Gay, who Rudy Gay is... He would be a solid addition to a team as an advisor, as a player advisor, so he would still get a spot on the team, one of the 15 spots, and he gets to sit on the bench, and he'll be a backup. I know Danny Green, he's been coming back from an ACL surgery, was it? So, I'm just, I'm just fact-checking that to be true real quick, just to make sure, but, yeah, he suffered the ACL injury, uh, tore his ACL during the 2022 playoffs. So he's trying to make a comeback. And Danny Green, again, just like Gay, Green, he's 36, he's a forward, and he's, he'll be a really nice backup forward. And he's never been known as a double digit guy. He's just known as an eight free and one type of guy. He's not bad. He's gotten high minutes, but for him, that was always going to be his value. So I think if he gets a backup role, why not? He would so do that. He's 36. Rudy Gay is 37. They're going to try and make a comeback. And I would love for that to happen. I would not be against that at all. In fact, I'm rooting for it. I'm 100% rooting for it. Also, in other words, if we go back to... Uh, well, they're not even part of teams, but let's just go back to the West now. Let's just go back to the other side of the country. Let's go to the Thunder with Bismack Biombo. We love Busy, former Phoenix Sun. I absolutely loved Bizback Miyambo. I I absolutely loved him. Like he was great. He served his role. And I think he also was there with the Grizzlies. Like 
I try to keep up with everyone's career. It's just especially when I'm telling you guys in this podcast. I believe he also played for the Grizzlies most recently. Yeah, in 30 games, 5, 6, and almost 2 per game. Look, you can't be up with busy. You can't be upset with busy. He gets you. He gets you good minutes. He gets you solid production. And now he's gonna be with the Thunder for the remainder of the season. This mood was made to give OKC more depth to their front court behind Chet Holmgren, and this is a guy who on some nights can go off for ten rebounds, maybe a couple assists, close enough to ten points sometimes. But the dude can give you solid minutes. He gets you five. He gives you five point six boards per night. I think that's fair. Um, I know he's not like a needle mover, but he's a guy that does stuff off the stat sheet as well as does stuff on the stat sheet. If that makes sense. It's like a Pat Bev. I bring up Pat Bev because he really doesn't do anything statistic. Um, well, I can't speak statistically, but he does stuff that's impactful beyond stats. Like what what teams really do need. It's why the Bucks actually traded for him. It's a campaign to Milwaukee. All that aside. Bismarck Biombo will be behind Jalen Williams and, of course, Chad Holmgren. And this is all just about rounding out their playoff uh, roster. So you had Busy for the remainder of the season. You trade for Gordon Hayward. So it's all flowing together. You still have the starting lineup of Shea, Giddy, Dort, Williams, and Holmgren. That's solid. And then you want to have Kaysom Wallace, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins been exploding on the scene. He he was really good. I was watching the game. I forgot the game, who they were facing. But, man, when they were completing that comeback, when they were going on that comeback, was it against Toronto? I think it was against Toronto. I was watching the replay of that game. Yeah, it was against Toronto, 135-127. to I, I'll never forget it. It was... It was a 2 OT game. Very, very good. And Aaron Aaron Wiggins sunk the layup to tie it up in the final seconds to force the first OT. Then, of course, we know Shea was just being chained the two overtimes. But, man, that was a, that was a fun game. Like, I couldn't watch it in the moment. I couldn't watch it in the moment. So I watched the very next day because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We got Aaron Wiggins. I was seeing the how and I'm like, yo. And is Aaron Wiggins or who? Am I thinking of Holiday? I may be thinking of Holiday. Yeah, I don't think Aaron Wiggins. Because I know Aaron Wiggins is now related to um, Andrew Wiggins. Not at all, but... No, I'm sorry, I think of the Holiday Brothers because Holiday, Drew Holiday, is related to um, Aaron Holiday. I believe that's his name. Hold on. Yeah, it's Aaron and Justin Holiday. Aaron Holiday, he, he's not bad. People, people, I don't know if people realize that he's on the Houston Rockets, but he is. He actually just exploded in a February 10th game 
against Atlanta, I believe, he went 18.7-10 from the field. So he's not bad. Like, in his last 10 games, he's been pretty well. Justin Holiday, I'm pulling up his stats right now. He's 34. He's kind of like the irrelevant brother. But he still gets you a solid free one in 14 minutes. Look. He's play, he's been playing a lot of minutes. He averages 23 minutes a game on his career. Like he's been in the league since 20 uh since 2012. Like you can't hand the guy for that. He's pretty much been everywhere. Does he have a ring? I don't oh, no, he doesn't have a ring. I'm looking at these teams, he does not have a ring. There was once a season where he had 12 4 and 2. So he's had some good seasons. He's just not as impactful as his brother Drew Holiday. Who I don't have to describe to y'all. Y'all know who he is. But no, anyway. So that's where Busy's going to be ending up. So Busy's on the Oklahoma City Thunder for the remainder of the season. And it makes sense with the front court. This is all about shaping up their championship. Uh, championship caliber team. They're just trying to contend. Beyond the first and second round. They're just trying to make through those pushes. And they should. They have high expectations for the season. Especially with the explosion of certain players like SGA. So putting short. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. He finally got signed to a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. So it was really no shock. Especially when we were talking. When I was, well, at least the last podcast episode. What? Uh, two days ago? Yeah, two days ago. Whenever that Saturday was. So I'm having a brain break. I'm recording this into the early hours of Monday after the Super Bowl. So my brain is just being fried right now. But no, we talked about huge Laker updates. And we went over their offseason plans. The reports that were coming out about that. And then, of course, we were talking about, oh, Spencer Dinwiddie was hanging out with Rob Palenka. He was in the locker room after the game. Like, it was pretty much all the signs being pointed towards him signing with L.A. And now, of course, we find out a day after the game that he's signing with the Lakers on a $1.5 million deal for the season. Plus, I found it really funny that he has a dollar incentive if LA wins the championship. I can't tell you how many times in NBA history a guy had a one dollar incentive if their team won a championship. I can't remember the last player that had that, but I found that really funny. Because a lot of people don't realize that just like um, other team sports, I think the NFL does this, the NHL, right, other team sports, they have incentives in there as well. People don't realize that the NBA does that as well. They have incentive-based contracts. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, hold on. Um, NBA player uh, incentive-based contracts. Now, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but I do know about... Um, But I just knew about that. And that's how guys are able to get these Supermax contracts. That's how they're able to really get multi-year and guaranteed contracts. 
right? So that that's what they're really working towards. If that if that makes sense. Anyways, I don't know if anyone really wanted that knowledge, but hey, y'all got it anyways. Congrats. But no, so Spencer Dinwiddie signed that deal. And it makes perfect sense. I would sign a deal. And I know he was really bad for Brooklyn, and I'm not the biggest Spencer Dinwiddie fan. I think he chose the better team. I know the Lakers, on paper, aren't being seen as the better team than the Mavericks. As crazy as it may sound. But, trust me, the Lakers is a better team than than the um, Mavericks. It's not even close. And now you have Spencer Dinwiddie in your backcourt. Which is great. He's going to be backing up D'Lo. And D'Lo's been on a shred. So he's just been on a tear. Like, my boy's been going off. It's just, It's amazing to see. Because I know I've been a part of the deal of slander, but I've also been a part of the deal of praise. I try to remain unbiased. I try to go 50-50 the best I can. And what you guys hear publicly is not how it always remains in my private time as well. So I just see things differently publicly and privately just based on what I see. And I don't always say stuff publicly. But I keep that to me as well. So I try to keep everything unbiased, especially when it comes to teams I hate. Especially when it comes to... The Lakers, right? But no. So you gotta. So this Lakers team got D'Lo, Reeves, LeBron, Hachimura, and AD. With Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish, Max Christie, and now uh, Spencer. Not bad. Still. Still blows my mind that they could have had Yaquez Jr., but instead took Jalen Hood, Chifeno. Crazy. And that was only a pick difference. Miami was right after Los Angeles, by the way. That's what makes it crazier. And I know I've tweeted that before, but one to reiterate it, right? But no, so that's where we're at. Spencer Dinwiddie signs a deal with the Lakers. He's going to be making one and a half mil for the season. And he has a $1 sentence if LA wins a championship. So, hey, he's going to take that extra dollar because people live dollar by dollar. And, hey, he's going to take that incentive and he's going to try to go for 100 points per game now because he's got that dollar incentive. So, good on him. And, yes, yes, I was being, I was being sarcastic. But I find it really funny. So, do I give a crud? No, I really don't. I really do not. Finally, we got two more pieces. I got some Paul George news I got to get to. I just do. Before I do that, before I rip y'all's hearts out, especially if you're Clippers fans, because I, I saw something from Jake Fisher, then I, I heard something from Paul George. So I'm going to bring it up here in a minute. But Malcolm Brogdon. Bad news, guys. Bad, 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 bad news if you are a fan of Malcolm Brogdon or of the Portland Trailblazers, the man who is averaging 15, 4, and 5.5 and off of 44% from the field, the man that did win sixth man of the year, well, he's going to be out for at least the next two weeks due to tendonitis in his right elbow. 
the Blazers announced that Brogdon un- had undergone treatment for this injury. So, that definitely is hurt, but good news for uh, the Blazers. Portland bites so much that it's fine. But I really do like Malcolm Brogdon. I know he's been on quite a number of teams. I know it was like his fourth team. But he is such a fabulous player to have. I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. A very credible guy, very quality guy, a very good guy to have. Like, I do not hate him at all. And his contract's not that bad either. It's really not. Now, is it is it a little short? Maybe. But he's in the first year of a two-year deal for 45 mil. That's super cheap for a very good six-man or rotational starter for a rotational starting player. Now, when his contract ends, he's going to be 33. He's going to be unrestricted. But who cares? He's still going to get in our two-year deal. And he's really, he's made big money and he hasn't. Like with the Pacers, four years, 85 mil. Then it's gone down. Could have went up if there was like four years? Sure, whatever. But still, 45 guaranteed ain't nothing to sneeze at. So they have him under contract for a while. So you like where that's going. Malcolm Brown has been very reliable. I love Malcolm Brogdon. He's a consistent guy who can get you 15, 5, and 5. Or, in his career numbers, in 29.4 minutes, 15.4, 4.2, and 4.7. And why I had to list it out all that way, I don't know. But for all you analytical nerds such as me, uh, or such as I, because I guess there's a different way to say it, whatever though, um, there you go. But yeah, so that that's the more depressing news. That's the more depressing news when it comes to the Blazers. If you're excluding their record and just how they play and what DeAndre is. But no, all joking aside, I'm not going to get into DeAndre in conversation or anything like that. He's been fine this season, whatever. I want to talk about Paul George, my man, PG 13, indie legend. OKC legend. He really never brought him a championship, but I'm going to call him a legend anyways. Well, good news. He says re-signing with the Clippers is the goal. Like, quote-unquote, the goal. But something I did find interesting is that there are, quote, growing whispers, end quote, that Paul George could return to Indiana. And the crazy part is that it's true Paul George has been the clear-cut third wheel in Los Angeles recently. Is that the Clippers' fault? No. Does Paul George mind? Probably not as much as people want it to matter, right? Because you're second in the West. 
and you're getting the play of the beard who's transformed his career from Brooklyn and from his time in Philly. Well, he, then you can put him the claw for playing with Westbrook, who's and I know I've been hating on Westbrook the past couple of years, but he's turned around. He's proven me wrong. I am a fan of Westbrook now. I am. I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. I should not have been. I should not have been hateful towards him. I was wrong. I'm man enough to say it. And even though he's the third wheel, is he really the third option? Maybe, maybe not. But this is such a stacked team of Harden, Mam, George, Leonard, Zubox, Westbrook, Plow, Coffee, Plumley, uh, Feist, Bones Highland. Don't forget about Bones, my man Bones. Don't forget about him. But when you're when you have for the top players in this association, all in the same team, why wouldn't you? Now, I know why the skepticism of him returning to L.A. next year is is rising, is growing. It's because Kawhi got paid a considerable amount of money. Harden's looking to stay. Westbrook's looking to stay. Where does that leave Paul George? And these two sides have been on the opposite end. They've been on the other end of the spectrum. They're not coming together. Now, is it always going to remain that way? Probably not. I'm just saying right now it is. And it's been that way for a couple of months. But people are also like, oh wait, Kawhi just got done, so maybe PG's going to get done soon. I don't know. I would love to find out. Like, I would absolutely love. But I don't know. Like, and I was almost, like, half debating to make this topic of the day. Like, what would happen if Paul George went to Indiana with Pascal Siakam and Tyrese Halliburton, that squad? He's going to be a free agent next season. It's not coming off season, right? So, it, it, it would have been interesting. I almost, I, I, I almost want to see that. Not because I want to break up the core in Los Angeles. I think they're, I think the Clippers are finally building out something very nice. They're doing it great. They are. Tyloo's having a thing come together. The players are having to come together. They're, they're playing unselfish basketball, which is what you want to see out of an organization in a team sport, nonetheless. But could a Pacers reunion? actually happen I'm just saying uh, I I would not be against that why would I be against that I don't know like if I get the swing man the wing player why not you got the money you're telling me you wouldn't want to have a, a, a core free of Tyrese Howburn who's shape-shifting into a hybrid of Steve Nash and Jason Kidd, Pascal Siakam, like, having those free, then including Miles Turner, that's not bad. Then you have a young Aaron uh, Naismith. Come on. Come on. You, the dude's only 25. Come on. And then Andrew Nemhard. He hasn't been bad. He's also very young. He's also only 24. 
but you're telling me you wouldn't want to put PG and Halber in the backcourt? Because Tyree... Because Tyree knows how to pass out. He knows how to get his buckets. He knows when his time is his time. So does PG. With Naismith, Siakam, and Turner, then you're having TJ McConnell, Ben McMatherin, um, Doug McDermott. No, not, no, not Doug. But you'll have like uh, Andrew Nembhard, Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith. Like you're having some combination of those guys. Come on, why wouldn't you not love that? Why would you not love that? I would for sure do that in a heartbeat. Because if PG doesn't care about being the quote-unquote third wheel in LA with the Clippers, okay, then just come here. Now you can have a very nice roster. Now, are the Clippers a nicer team than the Pacers? Yeah, probably. Just because you got legacy names associated, attached to there, opposed to Indiana, but hey, I, 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 I would not be hating that at all. I would not be hating that. And then you, but you also got like a legacy coach and Rick Carlisle. Remember him and Dark Championship just saying took on, uh, Chris Bosh, D. Wade's and LeBron's team. Just saying, Eric Spolstra's. But all I'm saying is, sure he's saying that's the goal. But just hypothetically speaking, there have to be no trade involved. You just have to give them a lot of money. But we're also giving Mason Plumley and Cody Zeller huge contracts. We're a one-time Alex Len. I'll never forget the Phoenix Suns for giving or drafting Alex Len and Josh Jackson. I'll never forget that. There are so many better prospects. I, I, I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. The longest ever. Or when we traded for Shaq. Like, trading for Shaq was also really bad. He was not prime Shaq when he was, like, with the Heat or the Lakers. No, no. Or the Magic. No, no. This was, like, the most memorable moment of his tenure with Phoenix was jumping. Was having everyone clear their seats. When the man was jumping into the stands to lose balls were because he could not stop his momentum. That's all that it was. It was more of a spectacle because we were getting a legacy name. We gave up way too much. We gave up way too much. Real quick. Wasn't Sean Marion in that deal or something? Phoenix, Shaq, Trey. I, I can't remember. Hold on. It was from the Miami Heat. I remember that. So bad. Want to punch him on the face. Yeah, Sean Marion and Marcus Banks. I don't... It's actually... I don't remember Marcus Banks that well. But Sean Marion... Dude was a baller, man. I loved him. Like, I absolutely loved Sean Marion... He was a certified baller. I I I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but he was called the Matrix for a reason. He didn't look like Kenny uh, Keanu Reeves, but for his unorthodox shooting form and how he was able to be one of the most versatile players in the league at that time because of his athleticism, and I've never seen. 
I back then it was very uncommon for guys playing that many different positions and how he was playing it. Like, bro was just in his own league. Like, he was in his own league. Like, I'm checking these stats out right now. I wish the Suns would have never traded him. Would have never traded him. Real quick, I got to look up this Marcus Banks guy. Because I, I don't remember him. I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know he was Marcus Banks. He bounced around a lot of teams. Yeah, he really didn't even play. Yeah, he bounced around a lot of teams. So, okay, he was fine. He was like, whatever. He was like one of those bench pieces that you wouldn't really want to have. Or you would. It's so whatever. He was making like four mil come 2010. and But in 2010, he was like averaging five points if that. Holy shit. Shaq was not averaging good stats. So, it's like, oh, so brutal. And he did two seasons. Like, Maybe I remembered it wrong or something, but ain't no way that he was this good at 13 to 10 and 17 and 8. Like, I'm sorry. That's just, I know Shaq was pulling up those numbers, but he was still awful. Hold on. What, 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 is that really right? Are we sure? Yeah, maybe I got it. I know he was averaging in his two seasons, averaging 16 and a half and nine rebounds, but I would have rather kept the Matrix. Like, I don't know why we had to go out there. Like, we were just getting for a legacy name. Shaq really did not help the Suns. I know the stats are like, well, wait a minute, he was still up there. But we gave up the Matrix. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe that's just me. But I would never want that trade to happen. And I I love the Phoenix Suns of Death, but I think even St wasn't Steve Kerr the manager back then, or I'm um, yeah, Suns general manager. Like he was, he held some position. Hold on, I I don't want to date myself. Yeah, June second, two thousand seven. He would become the general manager of the Phoenix Suns beginning with the 2007-08 season. He also saw on all the smoke pod cast that he tried trading for Steph Curry. But didn't he talk about Shaq at one point? Yeah. Yeah, even the ringer. Yeah. Even the yeah, Steve Kerr in a 2018 interview. No, it was with Mike D'Antoni. But the Ringer posted an article about, but but Bill Simmons right? It's about being disaster. So I wasn't the only guy. Yeah, Kerr said, "Quote in retrospect, it was a bad move." Simmons said, oh, I'm surprised. I would have saw you have defended it. Kerr said, no, no, I'm not here to save my reputation. We went for, we swung for the fences, but we disrupted what we had built. We made it for the wrong reasons.
And he goes on, I actually remember listening to that interview. I like Bill Simmons. I remember listening to that. It was such a bad move. It was for, it was not even for the, like, and even Kerr pointed out, like, they had the same number of years. So it wasn't for financial reasons. It was for, like, a legacy name. He was a young GM. He pointed out. But cool on Steve Kerr for being man enough to say, I messed that up. Now, how how much that set back to Suns, who knows? But we definitely know that he's a better head coach and general manager. But, hey, good to have both of those uh, titles under your belt. Definitely has worked out for him as a head coach. Now, did Mark Jackson build the Warriors? Maybe. But I'm not going to get into all that. Not tonight anyways. But no. So that's where we're at, Paul Church. I don't know how we got down this tangent. But there's some, hey, there's some random NBA knowledge for you. For anyone that's doubting my son's knowledge, I got to write about them training the Matrix. I, I forgot about Marcus Banks. I, okay, I forgot about Marcus Banks, but I think a lot of people did. But no, there's some random son's knowledge, Shaq knowledge, Kerr knowledge, all of that good stuff. But no, I would love it if the Pacers got him next offseason. I would absolutely love it. And I'm looking up his contract to make sure he is. Just, just make it sure. So next year, he does have a player option. And if he accepts it, then he won't be available in 2025. But I feel like everyone should think he's going to decline it. Even though it's 48 mil, he's trying to swing for the fences on other and bigger contracts, right? He's coming off a four-year, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, four-year, 176 million. Before that, it was four years, 136 million. Then five years, 91. Then four years, 10 mil. Do you remember, like, mid-2000s, four years, 10 mil was still seeming like it was a lot of money? Imagine what guys back down like Kobe and Mike would have made. Jeez, man. Same type of money. JB having like 300 mil contract. No, Jordan would already had that. Easily. Kobe would have had that easily. Maybe Shaq. Maybe even LeBron. Ah, no, not really. I don't know. Anyways, 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 anyways. That's rad. So I thought that was pretty cool. I wanted to bring it up. Definitely use that as clickbait. I would still see it cool. Like I, I want him to stay with the Clippers. But also have the family reunion in Indy would be cool. Like I'm not going to lie about that. Seeing him, Tyrese, Pascal... Turner, like this is stuff straight out of NBA 2K. Let me fire up 2K24 real quick, and let me just start making some of those trades. Ooh, that's a good video. That's a good video right there. What if Paul George came to the Pacers, simulate this season, the current season, go into the offseason, sign him? That ain't bad. I may do something like that. Like, legit. Legit, legit. But, no. Okay, so that's where we're at. I know I got on a little bit of a tangent. I know we're almost hitting the one-hour mark. We're 
like eight minutes away from now, whatever. So, that's all the breaking news around the league that I got. That's pretty much everything. Uh, we're now heading into topic of the day. And I'm going to be looking at the East and I'm going to be looking at the West. And I'm going to find the number one team. That's the scariest. That you don't want to run into. I've already name dropped them. So let's just get right into it now. I want to start out in the East. In the East. I'm going to go through my thought process. I'm going to go through what my brain is thinking of right now. And let's just talk about it. So, the easiest teams to eliminate are... And this is like the scariest, deadliest team. Like, if you faced them in the postseason, you couldn't beat them type team. Just to give some context. I'm going to eliminate these... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. You ready? Pistons, easy. Wizards, easy. Hornets, easy. Raptors, easy. Nets, easy. Hawks, easy. Bulls, easy. Heat, easy. And the Magic, easy. Look, um, the Hawks, they're, they're, they're figuring out things, right? They're not dysfunctional. Like the Wizards. But they're also not stable. Like the 76ers. If that makes sense. So. The, the Hawks are out. The Nets are having their own issues right now. So they're easily beatable. Like they're not a scary deadly team right now. Like when you're trying to talk about stone cold serial killers. As a team, when you're going to this postseason, you're trying to take games away and close out a series fast in, a, in their quest of a championship, you're not looking at the Heat, Magic Bulls, Hawks, Nets, Raptors, Hornets, Riz, Wizards, or Pistons. The Pistons are done. The Wizards are done. Rebuild, rebuild. Hornets are a rebuild. Raptors, they have, they have good pieces, but... They've just blown it up, assembled it. It's way too late. They're not even turning around. Even if they somehow managed to get into the plan, which they're only five games out of a playing spot, they're not going to be this deadly team. They're not going to be unstoppable like the Heat were last season when they were the eight seed team, and they were able to bow their way into that seed. Right? Then you have the Pacers. You know, I kicked around the Pacers. I did. Especially when we were going through their starting lineup. I honestly did kick it around. The only problem is, I don't see it. Not right now. It's not because they're not talented. Like, Tyrese and Siakam, all those pieces are talented. But, they're missing that other key piece. That's why... Kicking around PG going there. Throwistic. It could happen. I just feel as though they're missing that one piece. And they're already 30 and 24. Like teams like Philly, New York, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston. They're not really going to fear them. They're not going to fear them. They're just not. So I think the Pacers also have to be out for that. Um, 
another team that's not the illest and killest by and I don't know how to put this, but the one that's not the most deadly team, a team that's not gonna be feared, is Milwaukee Bucks. They're tremendously sliding. You're like, how could they be sliding? They're third and east, you're a moron. Okay, well, their defense is going to be the death of them. It just is. This is a very much dysfunctional team. Damian Lillard's playing the worst stretch of basketball. So inconsistent. This is not Dame time. This just isn't. And Chris Middleton's dealing with some injuries. Giannis Antetokounmpo's only one guy. Brooke Lopez is Brooke Lopez. He's good. Then we got Malik Beasley. Like this team, like this team got rid of Drew Holiday and expected to be this great defensive team. You got rid of your single-handedly best defensive player for your offensive player that Adrian Griffin had to go down for. So the Bucks are just morons in general to think that you have to fire head coach because did he pull off? Did he pull the trade? He never said to trade Drew Holiday for another offensive piece. Not have a good offense anymore. Doc Rivers is a bum of head coach. I'm sorry, Glenn Rivers. It's a bum of head coach. So Glenn's a moron. They have no good defense. Their offense is sliding. Unless they can turn it around and tell them I'll become like a god squad. For lack of a better phrase, they're not going to do anything. They're a bum of a team. They're a joke. They've been a joke since they fired Adrian Griffin. They were feared. In the Adrian Griffin era. Now they're not feared in the Glenn Rivers era. Or in the final week of Adrian Griffin. They were they really just weren't there. But this team is easily beatable. Easily beatable. Like I can see a team like the Magic beating them. So it's whatever. Like they're not that scary. Like you beat... A Hornets team, 120-84. Cool. But you lost to the Timberwolves, big fright. You lost to the Suns, big fret. You lost to the... You, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you lost to the Jazz. And the Jazz are a mediocre team at best. You lost to the Blazers. And Dame's first time being back at Portland. Which I don't know how that's possible. Right? So then you lost to Denver, the reigning champs. So you're not impressive. You're just not. And you were barely able to beat the Pistons in back-to-back games from Jan 20 to Jan 22nd. So you're not impressive at all. In fact, they're losers. That's just one man's opinion. So I don't fear the Bucs. The New York Knicks, that is a team I do fear. They have gone better. They have single-handedly have gone better. But are they the team that's going to be like, we're making it all the way to the finals and you can't stop us? I don't know. Probably not. Their biggest goal right now, their their biggest try-hard accomplishment that they're trying to succeed, trying to achieve, is getting out of the first round. It's getting out of the first round. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And they have a perfect, they have a perfect, I'm not going to say perfect, perfect, but they have a very nice lineup of Jalen Brunson, Don DiVincenzo, Bonavonovich, OJ Nobi, and when Julius Randle returns. I just think injuries are too much. This team's a little inconsistent. OG's still hurt. So it is what it is. 
so they can't really be taken that seriously and it would have to start now at least after the all-star break and i just don't see it but give them one more year and they could be finals contenders like legit finals contenders and i know i was saying that they could be finals bound i think they're more second round bound this season but they're building a very nice squad but there's still holes they're just trying to step up from being first round exits to now being the first round and going to the second round saying, okay, we're legit. And they're a legit team. They're only eight games out of first, one game out of third, five, I'm sorry, three out of second. Uh, Philly? No. Philly doesn't scare me. Let's be honest. Philly's outside of Buddy Heald and Joel Embiid. They just have a bunch of... Oh, and Tyrus Maxey. They just have a bunch of off-ball players. Their team is just so broken right now. They, they got outside of Maxey staying healthy. Everyone else has gone down. Like, the starting line of Tyrus Maxey, Anthony Mountain, out. Tobias Harris, Nicholas Batum, out. And Paul Reed is bad. Like, that's not going to win you many games. I just don't see them as a scary team. Like, they're very beatable in the postseason. Very, very beatable. They have many weaknesses. So that just remains one team. One team. I'm sorry. Two teams. So who's going to be eliminated? The Celtics or the Cavaliers? Well, the Cavaliers have been on one of the greatest stretches of their franchise since LeBron James. They're a very, very solid team. Like, let's be honest, they're second in the East for a reason. They're blowing out teams at a considerable rate. You almost would have to take them. Wouldn't you? I would. When, I don't know. Should we? They have a very nice lineup of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struz, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. But then you also have uh, Carlos Avert, Isaac Coro, uh, George Yang, uh, Dean Wade, you got Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill is my guy. I love him. Sam Merrill is the ultimate. Uh, you got Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy. You got Mr. Relevant Sam Merrill. This guy, I remember announcing his pick on social media when he was drafted back in 2020 during the pandemic. Second round, pick 60. Nobody cared. And he actually was on the box. He was drafted by the box. Then went to Memphis, is now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's carving out his own niche. He's carving out his own section. I love Sam Merrill. But, but, just like the New York Knicks, they're beatable. They still have weaknesses. They still have holes. And they're just trying to figure out how to get out of the first round. How to get into the second round. Right? You you actually lost in the first round last season to the Knicks in five. And you got to remember in 2021-22, you didn't make it to the postseason. And in 2020 and 2021, you didn't make it to the postseason. 2019, you didn't make it to the post. So, your job is just to get out of. Your job is just to get out of the first round. 
without collapsing in games, without giving up leads, without having the brights being too harsh on you, too bright. Is this a talented team? Yes. But... I, I, I don't... They have to get out of the first round. It has to be convincing before they can be known as this monster-like team. That's why, for me personally, it's the... um, It's the Boston Celtics. They're the scariest, deadliest, most unstoppable team in the East. The Celtics should be feared. Not because they're first in the East. Not because they're 8 and 10. I'm sorry, 8 and 2 in the last 10. Or not the fact that they're 41 and 12. It's the fact that they've gotten better with the roster. You go back to 2022. They didn't have Porzingis on that roster. They didn't have Holiday on that roster. Even last season, they weren't the same. They're here for their puff. They're here for their puff aspirations. They're here to become a championship contending team. They are a championship contending team. Because you have a backcourt of Drew Holiday and Derek White. A frontcourt of Jalen Brown, Jace Tam, and Chris Alporzingis. And then for, listen, for their second unit, you got Sam Hauser, Al Horford, Xavier Tillman, Jane Springer, and Payne Pritchard. Okay? I can respect that. I respect that. Like, they got a solid bench. Because then, if, okay, fine. If you want to throw a Luke Cornette, sure. And the way he actually defends people is fascinating. It's fascinating. But you have a good combo of young guys and veterans. Like, and these guys have been in situations of, okay, we've been to the finals before. Drew Holiday. Is is a champion. Chris Alporzingis has been has been around bad teams, good teams, right? He's had his fair shares up and downs, but he's he's molded himself into his less injury prone player that's explosive. JB and JT championship knowledge. They're they have finals knowledge. They've been in that moment. They've gone against the very best, and that very best before was Steve Kerr's team featuring Steph Curry. Carrying him. Same with Al Horford. Same with Derek White. There's a reason why they added Xavier Tillman. He's good. He's a good big man. He has he has that rim protection. He has that interior protection. Sure is his finishing off. Okay. That's fine. Telling you guys. The Boston Celtics are a very dangerous team. They're a monster-like team. They're the deadliest team. They're the most unstoppable team in the East. They'll be able to finish teams off in five to six games. Easily. Easily. I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that to say. I'm, I'm not just saying to say. I believe that. Because if the season ended today. Let's say the playing tournament ended with the Heat being 8. Okay? The Celtics take out the Heat easily. Easily. There's not a team 
on this from one from two to eight that could beat them. The Magic, no, never never been in that environment, especially against a very good team, very good, excellent team like the Celtics, the Pacers, not there yet. There's too many overpowering pieces. The the Indies just missing that one piece. The Knicks, no. Cavaliers, no. Bucks, definitely not. Right, so the Celtics are on top of their world right now. They're playing the best stretch of basketball we've seen them in a very, very long time. And it is actually satisfying to see. They have a 25-3 and record, a 16-9 and record. They're 11-1 in their division, 28-6 in their conference. They have a plus 9.8 uh, point differential. They're on a four-game win streak. And let's be honest, they have one of the top defenses in the league. Their point differential is significant in the East. In fact, their point differential in the entire NBA puts them at first. In the entire NBA, it would go to Celtics, then the Thunder. That is a fact. That is 100% a fact. So the Boston Celtics are a team not to be messed with. Which is so fascinating. Which is so fascinating. Like... And, and, and the best part is, they're 19-1 against below 500 teams. But against of 500 and above teams, they're 22-11. They have a very good record. Very, very good record. The best in the East. And then tying with the Timberwolves. If going and in in merging both conferences. So I'm just, I'm just letting you guys know. Where we're at. I'm just telling you guys know where we're at. The Celtics are the dangerous team in the East. They're finals bound. The way they're playing. They are finals bound. Telling you guys. This is what you this is what you gotta expect. This is what you gotta come to terms with. That is the East. That is 100% the East. I want you guys to know that. I want you guys to 100% know that. This is not me trying to pull some cap move on you guys. This is not me trying to have some clickbait. Whatever you want to call. However you want to view it. However you want to. Whatever. This is the real deal. The absolute realist of deals finally got the east finally we got the east I'm sorry we got the west oh I'm a moron we got the west who's the scariest most dominant team that can't be stopped well you're like huh it would be the Denver Nuggets of course it would be the Denver Nuggets. 
if going from a easy cop out of just go over the reigning champs, the defending champs. No, it's not them. Even though they're a very dangerous team, and they have to kill Jokic and AG and Murray and Brown and all these different guys. Like no, no, no doubt, the Nuggets are one of the scariest teams. Like they're a threat. They're no easy challenge. But I, I don't know. So let's go for the easy teams first. Spurs, no. Blazers, no. Grizzlies, definitely not. Rockets, I know they want to stay competitive. I know they want to make a push. They're not scary. At best, they'll make it out of the playing tournament. At the rate they're playing. Jazz, can't see it. Warriors, this is the end of the dynasty. 2022 is a great, like, from... Them losing in the finals to the Raptors to their downfall to their triumphant return and going back to their glory years of the dynasty for to winning in 2022 against Boston Celtics. They're just done. They're not a scary team. They're easily beatable. Same goes with the Lakers. They're easily beatable. They have too many flaws. Yes, you have many. You have legacy names on the team. You have well-known names on the team. And I'm talking about for the Lakers and Warriors, but they're easily beatable. I take the Mavericks over the Warriors. That's that's the current state. No, let me scratch. I take the Mavericks over the Lakers because the Warriors have Stephen Curry. When you have Stephen Curry playing for you, oh, good things happen. So I'll take that one back. Kings... I want to see them beat the Warriors first. I want to see them beat other teams first. Because I don't believe they can go to the finals. Like, last year was fine. It was good. But I need I need to see them. I need to see them crush competition in the first round. Get out of the playing tournament. Right? I don't want them to be in a playing tournament type situation. Make sure they're out of there. And then go into the second round and be dominant. The Pelicans, they're just a very mid-team, are they? No, especially when you're talking about their statistics and who they are in the standings and the players they got from Ingram, the Cullum, the Williamson, all those guys. Herbert Jones, right? Uh, anyways, I just don't see it. They're not the scariest team. When they face the Phoenix Suns in the postseason, not the scariest team. Um, this actually hurts for me, but the Phoenix Suns, are they the scariest team? Are they the monster? Are they going to be able to stop anyone that comes at them? This kills me of everything I have to say, and I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan. I just, apologies. I am a diehard fan. This hurts me more than anyone else in this world. No. We are not an unstoppable team. We are not monster-like. We do have flaws. And I know we just got Royce O'Neal. And I believe we're going to be able to go into the postseason, win the first round, maybe take second round. I think we can take second round. 
But then when we get to the conference championships, when we get to that round, the conference championship round, if that's when it's going to get really tough. And I'm asking, again, I'm asking, who's the scariest, deadliest, un- most unstoppable team in each conference? It's not the Suns. It's not the Warriors. It's not the Lakers. Heck, it's not even the Thunder. And I know we got SGA, and I know we got Chet, who should be Rookie of the Year, but it's probably going to go to Wemby. I know we got Giddy. I know we got Dor. I know we got all these guys. I know Aaron Wiggins been going. I know they got Bismack. I know they got the Jalen. Uh, they got the two Jalen Williams. I know they got Aaron. I know they got Gordon Hayward. I know what they're rocking with. I know who they're packing. I just how do I how do I put this? They're a they're, they're assembling a great roster. Like, come next year, they're going to be top, top. And I know they're already top, top of a 35-17 record. So, I'm not trying to dismiss them. But, they got a lot more to prove. <laughs> they got a lot more to prove. And I know they finished last season 40-42. And they're five games away from getting 40 wins. But... I, I, they're not the most unstoppable team. They're just not. And that kills me. That kills me every, every possible way. It does. Trust me. It's tough for me to say that because the funder are very, very well. But when it comes to the playoff time, I don't know how they're going to react in the postseason. Because they could be one of the greatest, they could be one of the greatest teams ever. But if they crumble in the postseason because they don't have the experience because they, their mentality is a little off. Or the jitters are getting to them, the nerves are getting to them. Or there's just more seasoned teams, more seasoned, more playoff caliber players for that moment. That makes all the difference. Same goes for the Timberwolves. I know they're 36 and 16, and they're first in the West. And I know their roster with Ant-Man and Big Cat and Gobert, all these guys, McDaniels. I get it. But... The Timberwolves don't scare me. And I know they're getting better. I know they're better than what they were last year. And I know they had their own complications. I, I know. I Trust me. I understand it. I do. I very much do. But. I, I don't. I just need them to get out of the first round. I need them to make sure that they aren't a, they, they aren't staying as a playing team. I need to make sure they don't get blown out in five. And I know that was against the Denver Nuggets. But still, you're going to have to face them. I can't be like 2021 where they lost in six to the Grizzlies. Right? 
I know it was different a little bit. I know the team makeup was different and all, but still, I know that was pre-Rudy Gobert and you still had D-Lo on that team. I get it. I 100% do. But show me you get out of the first round. Show me that, okay, you're a first seed. You take on the eight. Can you successfully take out the Mavericks? Can you successfully take out the Lakers, Warriors, Kings, Pelicans? Can you even take out the Suns? There's struggles in that. It's very fascinating. Two teams control the entire NBA. One is the Celtics in the East. Now, who's going to be in the West? I've left, I've left the one team out. Maybe you guys guessed it so by now or not. Who knows? But it is the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers are 100% the most dangerous team in the West. The realest, the most extreme team there is in the National Basketball Association outside of the Boston Celtics. Because the Boston Celtics have been there, done that. They've already had that experience. They know what it's like. So do the Clippers. So do the Clippers. Paul George was at the finals at one point. Paul George knows what it's like to succeed and to fail and to have these big leads and to have them all crumble down think to tell think that the gun rivers. He knows what it's like to play with really good players. Kawhi has a championship. Harden has been there on very, very good teams. Or he's been a very, very good player on bad teams. He's played it. Russell Westbrook's been there. Like, these guys are elevating themselves. They have a good bench. They do. There's a reason why they're 35 and 16. I know they're half a game out of first. But they're 21 and 7 in 10-point games. They're 17 and free in below 500 matchups. They're 18 and 13 in above 500 matchups. Don't write this team out. This team is very, very good. Very, very promising. Just understand that. I find the Clippers to be one of the scariest teams imaginable. I just do. I just do. Maybe, again, maybe I'm in the minority. Who knows? I'm just saying that this Clippers team, with how stacked they are and how well they've been able to wheel deal for pieces and stay competitive, this is this is real deal. There's a reason why they're 25 at home. There's a reason why they're 21-12 in their conference, 7-3 in their division. There's a reason why they have a 6.1 point differential. 
there's a reason why they have a top defense in in this in in their conference. There's a reason why they're eight and two. Remember that statistic that I gave a long time ago, like a week or so ago. They were twenty seven and thirty two. Like they won twenty seven their last thirty two games. Yeah, don't you ever doubt them. Don't you ever, ever doubt him. There is a reason why the Clippers are feared. There's a reason why people in the Valley are fearing the Clippers. There's a reason why Denver is fearing the Clippers. There's a reason why the Timberwolves are fearing the Clippers. The Clippers have been the big moments. They've been the great moments. They've been the bad moments. But they have championship caliber players. You got four of them. Now they're about to make it work. Now they're really turning it up. And they're very much healthy. Kawhi is healthy. PG's healthy. Zubox is healthy for the most part. Like, Westbrook is healthy. Like, their bench is healthy. They're, they're doing the right things. You can't be upset about that. You really cannot be upset about it at all. Their time to shine is now. I would not be surprised if we had a Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Clippers, NBA Finals matchup. I'm not saying book it, but I am saying let's let's look at it. It's not say book it, but let's look at it. Look it before you book it. So I live in Airbnb. You look at the photos first. Let's say lie about the photos. And then you're hosed. But y'all know where I'm coming from. Am I bold with these two teams? Maybe. But where's the fun not being bold? Because you can easily go with defending champs. You can easily do that. But I believe Boston and Los Angeles are the two dangerous, most controlling teams in this league I 100% believe that am I wrong am I right I believe I am right that is my opinion that is what I'm going for this this could be like one man show one man gang one man's opinion this is where we're in the heart. Everyone has their playoff rosters. Everyone's getting it set. Everyone's building up calluses in their mind, in their body, getting ready. Coaches are preparing. Joe Mozula and Ty Lu are preparing. Coaching staffs have been put through. Head coaches have been proved through the experiences, the ups and downs, the final appearances, or final winners. Finals winners. This is their time. I am excited. Some of y'all may agree with me. Some of y'all may disagree with me. And that is fine. Either way, this is going to be a great time for these two teams. What a time to be alive in the association as a fan. As a spectator. Whatever else you are, what a time to be alive. What a time for this association. Very, very fun. Very, very fun.
So, with all that being said, this is all I have for today's podcast episode. I, I deeply appreciate you guys always tuning in, always being there, listening for my podcast, whether it's halfway or always all the way through. I, I really do appreciate it, guys. And yeah, please leave me a review, subscribe. Keep us keep it moving. Let's keep it rolling. I will see y'all Wednesday. Remember the podcast is Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. I'm on all podcasting platforms. I'm on all streaming places, all the social media channels. We are there. Peace out. Have a great day. I'm gonna go get some sleep.